We're delighted to have George with us today, as Jeff has said. But I was talking to him just beforehand, and the amazing thing is that the last time that he was at the front here, in fact, he was up in this uh, pulpit here, was that when he graduated from the Irish Baptist College. He has never preached in this church. He did come here when he worked with Baptist Missions, and he spoke to us in the church hall. But George, you're very, very welcome, and why have we waited so long? Thank you, John. I have sulked about that for years, you know. <laughs> really troubled me. After you hear me preach, perhaps you'll not be surprised. Well, no, it is a real joy. It is lovely to be back. And I'm quite sure I'll recognize lots of faces when I communicate with you uh, over the next few minutes. I want to actually do something slightly unusual, perhaps, certainly for me. And I want to take the book of 1 John over the next six sessions and concentrate upon that and I want to take as a theme, a general theme uh, our spiritual journey in a hostile world how does that smack you? certainly the world is a hostile one as far as Christianity is concerned and we're going to be looking at this and this lovely little book of 1 John I'm sure you're familiar with it does give us some very definite guidelines. I want to read chapter 1 of 1 John just now, please. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from him and declared to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin... We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word has no place in our lives. May God bless this word to our hearts this morning. I brought... Uh, a little thing with my outline and all, forgot to give it to anybody, so it's in my pocket. So just follow. And uh, you, you really don't need to see, I'm sure, the, the outline. I want us tonight to think about guidelines for this spiritual journey we're setting out on. Guidelines this morning, guidelines for the journey. And uh, there are a number of things here, but you know, in, way back in 1492, Christopher Columbus set out for the Far East. Do you remember? And he ended up in the Caribbean. And some people have said that Columbus has set a pattern that's continued for the last 500 years because men still won't stop and ask for directions. I'm not sure that you agree with that. 
But I suppose the, the reason for that is that many of us going somewhere we have never been before, it's, it's a sort of a challenge, isn't it? And uh, an adventure, an obstacle, obstacle to be conquered and asking for directions just spoils all that. So ladies, do be patient when your husband refuses to stop and ask where he is and where he's going. You know, in many ways, our lives, our spiritual lives are like setting out on a journey. This morning you might be someone who has not yet committed themselves to following Jesus. I don't know who you are. But that's a possibility. You're interested, yes. Or I don't think you would be here. But you're not quite there yet. You are on a journey this morning. You may be a follower of Jesus. And your aim in life is to serve and please him. If so, you also are on a journey. In fact, whoever we are this morning, we are on a spiritual journey, whether we've barely started or have been traveling for some time. And you know, just as some folk don't like to ask directions on a car journey, when it comes to our spiritual journey, both men and women, there are about today, and perhaps in this room this morning, who equally resist asking for directions. So I hope that over this short series, you will find those directions, whether you're too shy or too embarrassed or too frightened to ask, that God will show you the way. And this series, as I've said, starts off this morning with some guidelines for that journey. Because this is basically what this lovely little book is all about. It provides us with sound advice, especially when the going gets tough and we almost lose our way. Perhaps you're like that this morning. I don't know. I've always, over my ministry, always felt the necessity and bemoaned the lack of it so often in our preaching of setting the context of a book It is utterly and absolutely essential. And no more so than the book of 1 John. The aged apostle, you see, is writing to a church in despair. A church under attack. A church about to wave the white flag and surrender in many aspects. They just cannot take any more opposition. And if we don't understand that before we start out on our journey, we're not going to understand what this book is all about. The church was under attack, and it's so relevant because the church today is under attack. It was under attack from heresies. You will have heard of Gnosticism. It was rife in the early church. Docetism was rife in that early church. All sorts of men were bringing all sorts of theories and ideas. And John writes the letter, because his heart is breaking, to urge them, stand firm. Remember the facts that you have grasped, that you rely upon. Stand firm. So, what are our guidelines for the journey here in this opening chapter? First of all, we need to to, uh, build on the right foundation, and we find this in the opening two verses That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning 
the word of life. Have you noticed how the beginning of this letter from John is different from all the other New Testament letters? Most of the other 21 letters in the New Testament start with a statement of who the letter is from, to whom it is addressed, and then a prayer or a blessing. Not so here. In fact, it reminds us of the beginning of John's Gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and so forth. And it's almost as if John is reminding the church, reminding his readers of what he has said before in the Gospel, as he seeks to steer them out of murky waters, and indecision and confusion, and bring them back to a solid foundation once again. Friends, we need to build on the right foundation, build our faith on the right foundation. John talks about the word of life in verse 1. The word of life, referring, of course, to Jesus himself. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. God took on human flesh and lived amongst us. Friends, never lose the absolute awesome truth of that. And that is no theory. It's no fairy tale. It's no myth. History relates it in detail. I used to be a school teacher a few years ago before the Lord called me into pastoral ministry. And I used to take a, an SU group in Uri High School. And young people would ask me this. How do, you know, how do you know the Bible isn't just all made up? I mean, 2,000 years ago, all sorts of things could happen. I, I would say to them, well, do, do you believe in Julius Caesar? Of course, sir. We taught that in history. Well, in many ways, there is more historical and documentary proof that Jesus Christ lived and walked this earth than there is that Julius Caesar. Now, I know that will surprise you. But when you go into a Bible college and you begin to look at canon text and see the innumerable documents setting out the life of Christ, very ancient documents, when you realize that many of the men who testified about Christ weren't even Christians. They were secular historians like Josephus and others. You can rely on it. That when Jesus came and lived and died, God was there. In it all. Build on the right foundation, the word of life. But just notice... Four verbs that John uses in these opening verses, just to back up this statement uh, that uh, the right foundation is, is to be found in Christ. He says, first of all, we and the other apostles have heard him. We've heard him for ourselves. they had heard the voice of Jesus teaching with the authority of God. And many were marveled and astonished at the authority with which he was speaking. Do you remember that? They actually heard him with their own ears. Says John. We have seen him. With our own eyes, we have seen the mighty works he has done. We have seen the tears running down his face at the tomb of Lazarus. We saw it. It's not a myth. It's not a fairy tale. We were there. We have looked at. He said, this word means to, to stare intently at, to, to study. 
The disciples had done that as they had gazed upon the resurrected Christ. And I love that verse in Acts chapter 1 verse 3. Where after his resurrection Christ appeared about 40 of them. No he didn't. He appeared to many more than 40. But for 40 days he taught them about the kingdom of God. What a Bible college that was. Acts 1 3. And they gazed upon him. And they were taken up by him. By his wisdom. By his divinity. We have heard him. We have seen him. We have looked at him and studied him. And we have touched him. Jesus, according to the Gnostics, you see, the heretics that had got into the church, was not real. He wasn't real flesh because flesh was evil and he couldn't possibly have been real flesh. He was a phantom. Some sort of a ghost. Some sort of a spirit. But if you walked along the beach, you wouldn't see footprints. He wasn't real. Gnosticism, Jesus and John is saying, listen folks, we touched him. We probably hugged him. He doesn't say that, but I'm sure they did. I'm sure they put their arms around him and felt the sweat in his body, saw the tears running down his face. He was real. And we need to build on that foundation, especially today, young Christians. We're talking about fact here. Not fairy tales. Not myth. And so John is saying, if we will know joy in our spiritual journey, then we need to know without a doubt that it's based on reality. And the second thing that I want to say to guide us on our journey is that we need to seek the right companions. We need to seek the right companions. Verse 3 and 4. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. So that you also might have fellowship with us. And the Greek word, of course, as many of us will know, is the word koinonia, for fellowship. Now, koinonia means a, a very close relationship of sharing with other people. And it is also my opinion in our churches today that we know little about koinonia. It used to be in the older days, some of you with grey hair, my ancient age, might remember, you read in the Irish Baptist and you read about Bally Muck Baptist Church, I have to be anonymous here, had a a day of preaching, conferences. We don't have those today, do we, so much? But it used to be very regular that each church would have a day of preaching. Probably three or four preaching sessions. And then they would always end up in a little report, and then we had tea and fellowship. And my heart just sank. Because I don't know where they got that word fellowship from, but it was not koinonia. Friends, listen. On our spiritual journey, seek out the right companions. Companions who will open up to you, who will get alongside you. Companions for whom you will be able to weep with, and care for and rejoice with. People who will really come close and bless us spiritually and in other ways as well. It's a deep down sharing koinonia of fellow feelings, one with the other. How much do we know of that today? 
How are you today, John? Ah, I'm well. How's the Lord blessing you? Ah, he's great. And off we go. But that's not fellowship, is it? Friends, seek the right companions on your spiritual journey. And I rejoice in the trend over recent years where two or three men or women will come together and meet regularly for prayer and discussion. Being a pastor is one of the most difficult things. Being a pastor means you're ruled out of being completely and absolutely honest and open with almost anybody. And you understand why. But you have that opportunity. Seek the right companions. And and, and here we have it. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. That we might be close and share the burden. Share the joys together. Intimately encourage and, and work and live with each other. You know, many Christians today try to undertake the spiritual journey alone. Just me and Jesus. And that's not going to work. We need the right companions. I remember one couple in Kilkeel, I often quote this, very sad. They fell out with one assembly, or brethren, one assembly, and they moved to another one. They fell out with them. And I'm not sure how many assemblies they moved around, but eventually they ended up, he and his wife, having communion together in their home. Because they couldn't agree with anybody else. And that's very, very sad. We need each other. And don't let the devil, friends, isolate you because you're watching these nature programs. I have to fly here. You watch these nature programs, you see the lions. And what do they do when they're hunting? They wait till one of the, the little baby deer, or whatever it is they're hunting, sort of falls away to one side or, or, or takes a wrong track and gets cut off from the main flap. And it, the lion goes for that one. And friends, spiritually speaking, listen to me. Don't go it alone. Don't feel hurt by the preacher. Don't feel hurt by the way the church has not welcomed you. Don't slide away off. You need the right companions for this spiritual journey. To encourage, to build you up and to help you. Seek them out. Thirdly, we need to have the right source to help us in our spiritual journey. Verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. And friends, the image of God being light describes the fact that God reveals himself. He makes himself known to us here on earth. It's a miracle, I know. It's wonderful. And it's true. It's part of God's very nature to do so. He is a revealing God. And he could no more keep himself hidden than he could lie. He must reveal himself to his children. Provided we ask for that revelation and seek for that revelation. And the picture here is of our spiritual journey running into darkness from time to time. We have lost our direction and we need light. The kind of light only God can provide. And you know our spiritual journey will be a successful one, a joyful one, when it's based on God's revealed truth. 
We need to depend a lot upon the word of God. That's the right source. Where God has revealed himself. Communicated with the church. How he would have them live. The path he would have them follow. The places he can t- you can turn to for comfort and strength and adversity and despair. Never neglect the source which God has revealed to us, the Bible. All 66 books of it are God's guidebook for the spiritual journey of life. I was converted to Stromillis College, 18 years of age, and I thank God for the Bible Union there in those days because we were all taught to read the Word of God, to have a quiet time of about one hour every day. They didn't assume you wanted to have a choice. You did it. You get out your wee notebook, you buy search the scriptures. Do you remember search the scriptures? Anybody? Thank you. And you'd go into those. And then I began to think, oh, what a drudgery. And then you'd hear other Christians saying, my, but you're a legalist. Do you think God isn't going to love you if you miss your quiet time for once? And I began to doubt it. But I thank God that nevertheless, down through the years, he has helped me. Oh, not just in search of scriptures, and not even for an hour. But I know I need that time with him every day. The right source is important, friends. I've got to turn to God and to his word because he loves me. And has revealed all that I shall ever need, all that I shall ever want in his word. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Hudson Taylor, founder of the China Inland Mission, used to hang in his home a plaque with two Hebrew words upon it, Ebenezer and Jehovah Jireh. They mean, hitherto hath the Lord helped me, and the other one, the Lord will see to it, or the Lord will provide. One looked back, you see, while the other looked forward. One reminded him of God's faithfulness and the other of God's assurances. And of course, he read these assurances every day in his Bible. You know, you and I need to be very honest with ourselves from time to time. We need to ask, what is my source of truth for the journey I'm on here in life? What is it? Do we find it in our daily paper? I read the Times every Saturday morning. That annoys me immensely. But I have to read it. But that wouldn't be my source of truth. Not at all. Do we allow the opinion makers of this world to interpret what is truth and what is not? Do you know there is no such thing as truth today? Did you know that? According to the experts that we hear every day on the media. Are we unduly influenced by the secular world around us? Young folk especially, I feel for you. Build upon the right source your spiritual journey. It is not irrelevant. You've learned that already, how marvelously relevant the word of God is and can be. Not true. Because God is light and he has revealed himself to you through his word. Nothing else in this world, no other book, no preacher, no teacher, no theologian, no church can make that claim. 
that God has revealed himself to you through his divinely inspired word, the Bible. And you know, not only must we have the Bible in our homes, but we must avail ourselves of it. We must make use of it. Finally, how am I doing for time, John? I'm running a wee bit late. Running ahead of myself. Great, thank you. It's the first time I'm here. I have to be so polite. Or you'll never ask me back again for another 40 years. I'll be long gone then. Finally, the right goal. We need to make sure that we have the right goal as we set out on our spiritual journey. In these verses, verses, we're down towards the end of the chapter, verses 6 and 7. If we claim to have fellowship with them, yet walk in darkness, we lie. And do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Now in these verses, John hints at one of the misunderstandings that was circulating among the early church. Apparently, some people were claiming to be in close fellowship with God. They had all the answers. We find these people today, still. Things haven't changed much. They were claiming to be close to God, and these same people, friends, were living lives of moral and spiritual darkness. The life didn't match up to what they claimed. And all of us sad to say today, I've heard of bishops who've turned out to be child abusers, Christian husbands, respected in communities who have had affairs with other women and left their wife and children. We could go on, sadly, couldn't we, today? These things do happen. And you know, for all their pious talk, these people in the early church, their lives were characterized by disobedience, sinfulness, and rebellion. In fact, some scholars believe that they were claiming that once you trust in Jesus Christ, God doesn't care what you do. This was the Gnostic teaching. Your body is evil. So what you do with your body doesn't matter, doesn't interest God. All he's interested in is the inner spirit. When your body dies, it will decay. It's gone. So, your body is free for you to use as you will. How wrong they were, friends. You know, let me read a little poem to you. And then I'm going to conclude. Someone once wrote these words. I don't know who. I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. Do you know this one? I think it's great. The eye's a better pupil and more willing than the ear. Sorry. Start again. I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather one would walk with me than merely show the way. The eye's a better pupil and more willing than the ear. Fine counsel is confusing, but examples always clear. And the best of all the preachers are the ones who live their creeds. For to see good put in action is what everybody needs. I soon can learn to do it if you let me see it done. 
I can watch your hands in action, but your tongue too fast may run. And the sermon you deliver may be very wise and true, but I'd rather get my lesson by observing what you do. For I might misunderstand you and the high advice you give, but there's no misunderstanding how you act and how you live. Friends, what do I mean when I say the right goal is a factor in enjoying your spiritual journey? What do I mean by the right goal then? That goal we need to aim for is a transformed life. As we're on our journey, God wants to work in us, sanctifying us, making us little by little more and more like his dear, precious Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. To walk in the light as he is in the light, says John. And the blood of Jesus, his Son, purifies us from all sin. You see, the point of the journey isn't just to get to heaven, the final destination, which a lot of Christians appear to think it is. You've got a ticket, you're going to heaven, relax and don't get too worked up about religion. That's not the point of the journey. The point of the journey is to be transformed along the way so that your life and mine may affect other lives around us. So that when we get to heaven, we will hear those words, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have used the talents I have given to you, and you have used them well. We're on a journey, friends. Let's do it together for whatever age we are. We're on that same journey. And so tonight, we're going to continue to follow God's word and wait upon what he would say to us. Do come back if you're at all free. I'd love to to have you with us here. Could we pray, please, for a moment? Jesus, Lord, speak through your word. Speak, O God, with a clear voice, that we may know, Lord, that your word indeed is truth, and that the siren voices around us are so full, Lord, of confusing and errant thoughts and ideas. Guide us, we pray of thee, Father, in these days. May we indeed build upon the right foundation. May we indeed seek out the right companions. May we find ourselves turning to the right source, your word. And Father, may we have that goal deep in our hearts to grow in Christ as we journey along. Bless us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.